Welcome to episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. Keep going. Welcome to episode 61 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. I'm Hillary Doherty. Ooh, <laughs> Hillary. Hi, beauty. I love your shirt so much, first of all. So, your I, Grateful Dead shirt. I know. My husband so, got it for me, and I, it made I, me so happy. You know, I always associate deadheads with hippie drug addicts who oh. travel the country like mm-hmm. a bunch of hobos on the back of trains. Well, is that <laughs> is that what I'm doing here? Because when is, you told me you love Grateful Dead, I go, God, what the... Yeah. There's so much about you that we don't know on the podcast I for know. various reasons, which is fine. Yes. Which is totally fine. And I get it. We have to stay professional. Yes. And I can cut myself open and bleed all over this fucking <laughs> podcast. That's fine. But you are a treasure. Oh. And uh, the more the audience like hears things like this, yeah. <laughs> that you like the Grateful Dead. I and love other things, the dead. It's just the best. So. And I, I talked about the dead on one of our favorite podcasts ever. <laughs> is it hosted by two cutie patooties? Yes, Honey, it is. Please. So that was fun. Well, um, so I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I had to ter- teach myself how to turn on this board because we haven't <laughs> recorded. We didn't record last week because we oh, recorded two episodes so right. that my husband could take my, uh, our family camping for Valentine's day because Tina, nothing says romance, like digging a hole and peeing in it in the woods. Yeah. I can't so believe that, that was you guys fun. had to, I, I can't honey. And I would so, do glamping. No, I don't. I don't. I just, like a cabin. Put me in okay. A cabin all right. With a bathroom. Listen, I like hiking. That yeah. was fun. I like this. Give an excuse to change the environment to exercise. Sure, but Valentine's Day, I woke up at. I, I got to tell you, I think I sent Barefoot Lobo a te- a text on Instagram at like two in the morning because I woke up in the middle of the night because it was raining outside the tent. You know, outside, and we're in a tent. And I was like, well, I'm up. I might as well listen to Hell is Full of Dads because my episode <laughs> of my guest appearance Yours was, so was coming out. Thank you. And so, so go listen to that if you haven't listened to it. Um, me talk about being a mom and marriage and music. I got ragged on pretty hard for – I did not shit on Pet Sounds by Beach Boys. I just want to say that. I'm just tired of, like, every indie rock boy I talk to tells me they love Pet Sounds. Oh. Like – Surprise me with something else. Tell me Grateful Dead. That's an interesting conversation. Let's yeah. talk about that. Oh, the dead. Yeah. I got to, so, I got to pick yeah, my so three tell favorite me, songs. Yes. Well, tell me about your appearance. So you're going to be on Hell is Full of Dads coming yes. out. Yes. Um, it, it was good. I don't know if I was good. You know, of, I, I of feel like. Of course you were. That's you how know, I felt about my appearance. That, yes. You know, I'm like, uh, I, I feel like. I needed. Yeah. Who, who's, who wants to hear me talk? Me but, too. Um. I talked, so I talked a little bit about the cancer stuff, like oh. as a mom, like, Whoa. like See, hey, having I'm, to like tell my kids. I'm already in this podcast you know? episode. Yes. So I talked about that a little bit. I talked about the dead a little bit. I told them a funny story um, at some like weird warehouse. It was like, you know, this abandoned <laughs> warehouse that suddenly was like a club for three days <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yes. So I told them. The good like, old uh, the, the 90s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was fun. And we talked music. I did nice. say that I was probably going to kick your butt oh, in Movie Battle. Okay, well, we'll see. So <laughs> Tina and I are going to make an appearance in March on a pod. It's called Movie Battle. It's called Movie Battle. And Tina's, been on- Tina's already been on twice, so she's already got the lay of the land. I've got to listen to some episodes, so I got it. But Tina and I are going to battle um, the two movies. I'm going to defend Ooh. Casino. And Tina's going to g- defend Goodfellas. And already I know everybody's going, what the fuck? Goodfellas is better. I hear you. 
but don't underestimate okay. my prosecutorial oh, skills oh, dang. on this. And oh, I've been, dang. I'm all over it. Uh-oh. I'm uh-oh. all over it. So. I, better, I better get to school. I better <laughs> get to learn the host? No, I think he puts it out and oh. like the audience, like okay, it's, well, I don't know where th- yes. that happens. Like, yeah. I don't know if I won right, either right, right, of right, the right. episodes I was in. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. But um, yeah, so Barefoot Lobo, when I was on that show, Hell is Full of Dads, which by the way, I'm going to say it right now, where is our promo that we can play on our podcast? They've played oh, our promo on yeah. their podcast like three times. We need a Hell is Full of Dads promo. So I'm not even going to send a message. Here's a direct question. Where is the <laughs> fucking promo? But um, he brought up something I thought was very fun. And I don't know if you're up for it, but like doing, because you and Barefoot Lobo are similar in yes. a lot of ways. And then Cody and I are similar in a lot of ways. And so Barefoot Lobo said that Cody and I should do like an all anger version of Hell is Full of Dads. And you and Barefoot Lobo, also known as Nathan, yes. although I don't know who the fuck calls him that. I know. Uh, you do an episode of The Muck, which I thought would be, oh, that would be so funny. much fun. Yeah, Could you imagine would... Barefoot Lobo in here telling a story about it, his... it, would, it would be hilarious. I would love that so much. It would be much. good. I, yeah. So if you're up for that, like I'm totally up yes. for that. Yes. All right. So. Okay. I know. We have so much to do I know. Today. I just wanted to say a couple other things. First of all, uh, since we've been gone... <laughs> There was a failed impeachment in the Senate. And of course, we live in Florida, which we like to always remind everybody so that you can send us your gifts and your well, your well wishes. Um, But Marco Rubio, our senator and uh, Rick Scott both voted against impeaching Donald Trump. So spineless, like when you call call a covered belt nap or belt nap or whatever. Okay, he he that's that guy that was brought up on the floor. Oh, the Senate. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. And we were getting messages like, oh, I, I heard this from on your podcast. Like yeah. people knew who it was because of your Woo! story, which was great. And um, anyway, so Trump will continue to receive money Everything. And, and he can run security if he wants. And, and he can run again if he wants. I wanted to mention that we have another little muck Yes. Coming out this Friday. Oh, and it's so good. <clears throat> it's so good. We recorded it like a month ago, but his name is Emmanuel George. He's a local black archivist and artist yes. here in Broward County. And he and he works has to been, preserve black history. He has been in doing so well with I know. the cards and, and he'll talk about the cards and the work yes. that he does. Yes. And it's really amazing. Yeah. And I just envision him doing this all across America. Yeah, because yeah, we mentioned him. We were yeah. talking about the guy that you covered from um, I just from Arkansas. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. I know. So I'm excited for that one to come I out. I am too. Finally, yeah. That comes out Friday. So everybody give it a listen. Let us know what you think and keep an eye out for it. So I think that's it unless yeah, you have I, I only else. had one thing I wanted to say and I just was so upset when I read about DeSantis mm. and his just... Him and it's basically like the GOP, mm-hmm. like they're desperate, desperate, desperate ploy to maintain minority rule in this country mm. and the way that he wants to restrict yeah, voting, voting. Mm-hmm. and, and, and that, that nonprofits mm-hmm. can't help with get out the vote efforts is one of the things. <laughs> and I was thinking about Helen Butler. Yes. And oh, it's like, so, Tina. so a thing like the, the people's coalition of Georgia can't, can't now help in elections if there was something like that here or, or like our well, amazing uh, yes. person, Anthony Ginsburg, who goes out yes. and helps register like that stuff can't, right. Can't happen. Right. Well, because they know it, that's also the only people doing that fucking work yeah. because if you leave it to the party, Oh, nothing, nothing, will, well, get nothing will get done. So, but I, really I was, is, it's I, I was all over the place. 
so just disgusted. Yeah, well, disgusted. So. I mean, it was no mass mailing of vote by mail ballots. Mm. You know, I mean, it, it's it's a laundry list of things. And Anna Askamani posted. Did you thing. see that? Yeah. The tale of two governors. Did you see that? Oh no, I didn't see she that. She put one. up. A, it says a tale of two governors. It was the it was a news story from. Um, and then she's like, "Sorry, no, that's the same governor." It was DeSantis <laughs> after the election saying. Florida was a safe election. Everything's fine. And we have a great voting system. And like now, that was what, right. four months ago. And then, and and now, then the new one is like, we need to fix the voting system in Florida. It's broken. Oh, please. We have all they, these well, issues. Because and they, I'm they're like, afraid what? of losing. Well, yeah. Whew. He had a tough week, that guy, with the, with the uh, vaccine threatening oh. communities if you oh don't get on board you're can not you, gonna get can the vaccine you imagine? well if you don't want us to bring it here uh, yeah, we'll just bring it to imagine? these other you you no. he, and it's just like he's just like trump right you offer any critique yeah and then he's gonna lash out yeah these are constituents and people they're you and, are not some god it was that the, gets to, to decide yes. who lives or dies in yes. the state it was the media it was a reporter who asked the question not a community yeah. like hey where the fuck's our vaccine although it's they've been screaming it yeah the media somebody from the media asked the question he lashes out at them i mean he's such a fucking piece of shit oh he's gonna run for governor i think he's gonna run for president oh <laughs> you know what Him and i Marco. gotta tell you after this fucking podcast everything <laughs> that i hear with like ted cruz and all that bullshit uh, like america deserves to know like this yeah. is who we are this is who we are. We elect pieces of shit. And I'm not blaming the voters of Texas for what has happened to them and like Ted Cruz's oh. behavior. But y'all are well aware of who this motherfucker is. Don't well, be when surprised you when he deregulate does deregulate and deregulate and then go, oh, there's no structure in place. I mean, this is what happens. Well, I mean, it's shocking what Ted Cruz did, but it should not be surprising. That's all I'm no, saying. Like uh, all, everybody's uproar about it. I'm like, why are you so upset? This is what these motherfuckers do. In what universe do you think the GOP gives a fuck about you? In what universe? Yeah. Where does that happen? I, I, it's bothers my mind. country. Yeah. It should, the, the headline should be, to no one's surprise, Ted Cruz heads to Mexico yeah. during a crisis. Like that's the headline, break. not my like favorite, shocking. My favorite though was... Uh, uh, him trying to blame his daughters. <laughs> well, you know, there's so. no end to where this fucking, the blame will go. Okay, so okay. Uh, speaking of deregulation, oh. I am going to cover current governor of Texas, <gasps> Greg Abbott. Yes. Da -da 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 -da. All right, listen. Wow. Did they play the sound effects for you? A couple of times. Okay, I'm a huge fan of the sound effects. I know, effects. you had That's a lot of sound effects. I, I, I had Tony a couple knows of I love it. <laughs> no, but it was, I had, I had such a nice time. Oh my God, I can't wait to hear it. Plus, it's not a bad night to get on a fucking video call and look at those two faces. I mean, they're so cute and sweet. Aren't they yeah, so nice? And they're, they're very like, nice. And yeah. because they're huge supporters of our podcast, I'm just like so yes. excited for them. All right, yes. anyway, whatever, here we go. All right, this piece of shit was born. <laughs> Greg Abbott was born on November 13th, 1957 in Wichita Falls, Texas. In his sophomore year at high school, his father died of a heart attack and his mother went to work in a real estate office. He graduated from Duncanville High School. He was in the National Honor Society and was voted most likely to succeed. Do you know that I was voted a senior superlative and do you want to guess what it is? Ooh, yours would have to be either something like, <laughs> I feel like, well, no, let me think. Let me think. Because, First of all, if you don't say most beautiful, I'm going to kick you out of my house. Well, I'm just kidding. I was going to say either like something with personality, friendly, because you're just so fun. Mm -hmm. 
But you also have said to me that you were kind of quiet. Mm, high not school, quiet, not so much. But, high school, not. No, no. no. But okay. like that you didn't, you weren't like a party animal. No, 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 no. Yeah. So I feel like. Really? You don't know what it is? No. I oh, was senior vote- sp- spirit? <laughs> eyes. Best eyes. Best eyes. First of all. Best smile or best darling. eyes. And the green eyes are a curse, honey. Wittiest. <gasps> so I said it. I yes. said something with personality. Yes. I knew it. That's what I was. Ooh. I was the wittiest girl. And there was a wittiest boy. And the boy who was the wittiest was my first kiss. I'm not going to say his name. But he kissed me on a hammock in the backyard of his house. And it was hot Ooh. as fuck. All right, let's keep going. In Yay. 19... <laughs> Back to this guy. You were living a life in high school, girl. <laughs> and it all went downhill from there. Um, okay, so in 1981, he earned a Bachelor of Business Administration and Finance from the University of Texas at Austin, where he was a member of the Delta Tau Delta Fraternity and the Young Republicans Club. Oh, I was going to make a joke about something. I can't. I just, I don't have it in me. Uh, he met his wife, Cecilia Fallon, while attending UT Austin. A little bit about her. She's a first-generation American. Her parents are Mexican. Okay. Okay. Um, in 1984, he earned his Juris Doctor degree from the Vander- from Vanderbilt University Law School in Nashville, Tennessee. On July 14th, 1984, at age 26, Abbott was paralyzed below the waist when an oak tree fell on him Dang. while he was jogging following a storm. <gasps> you knew? Did you know he was in a wheelchair? No. He's a, yeah, he's in a wheelchair still. Um, but I didn't know how he got in. What happened? Um, yeah. So he. I had, don't know why I didn't know that about him. But I I, just they don't really show it yeah. when you see pictures of him. You don't yeah. really. You can't really tell. He had two steel rods implanted in his spine. He underwent extensive rehabilitation at uh, TIRR Memorial Herman in Houston, and he has used a wheelchair ever since. Wow. So he sued. I mean, what a crazy yeah. stroke of Yes, yes. Of, like, of what a weird fate. place to be that this tree falls. Um, he sued the homeowner and a tree service company, resulting in an insurance settlement that provides him with a lump sum payments every three years until 2022, along with monthly payments for life. Both are adjusted to, quote, keep up with the rising cost of living. But as of August 2013, the monthly payment was about $14,000. Wow. Bitch. Um, and then he went, so then uh, he goes into private practice and he starts practicing law. So his judicial career began in Houston, where he served as a state trial judge in the 129th District Court for three years. Can you hear my earrings clicking? No. Okay. Um, Then I'm wearing my bolt cutter earrings that Tina gave me for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, Governor George W. Bush appointed, who was governor of Texas at the time, appointed Abbott to the Texas Supreme Court. He was then twice elected to the state's highest civil court, um, you know, the Supreme Court. And then in 1996, he had two terms. 1998, he had a six-year term. And in 2001, he resigned from the Supreme Court and went back to private practice. So there's not really a lot of stuff there for the Supreme Court. Um, Usual, you know, what you would imagine he would, you know, rule for or against in the Supreme Court uh, in Texas. Um, But he also worked as an adjunct professor at that time at the University of Texas School of Law. His campaign, he he decides he's going to run for lieutenant governor in 2002 uh, in Texas. So his campaign for lieutenant governor had been running for several months when the previous attorney general, John Cornyn, vacated the post to run for the U.S. Senate. So he then switched his campaign from lieutenant governor to this open attorney general seat, right? Mm. Um, And then he went on to defeat the nominee, his former Austin mayor and former state senator, Kirk Watson. And he was sworn in as the new attorney general on December 2nd, 2002. He expanded the attorney general's office law enforcement division from about 30 people to more than 100. Wow. So we are a law and order attorney general, right? 
He also created a new new division called the Fugitive Unit uh. to track down convicted sex offenders in violation of their paroles or proba- prohibition. Well, that's not probation. That's that's right. Um, in 2003, uh, he supported the Texas legislators legislatures move to cap non-economic damages for medical malpractice cases at $250,000 with no built-in increases for rising costs of what? living. Oh. Hi. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. How must, about that? How about that? That is my favorite thing in the world when people How about that? have benefited from something, <laughs> from some system, and then they're like, I don't think people should have this access isn't right. to that. Yeah, this isn't right. Meanwhile, did he stop? Sh- did he stop collecting oh, uh, his payments no, at that time and Tina, say, "I'm going to show you that well, this is how"? Why would he do that? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so Abbott has spoken out against concerns such as voter fraud uh, and voter infringement no, on the please. right, and on, oh, I'm sorry, and the infringement on the right to bear arms and President Barack Obama's health care reform. So when I first heard about Greg Abbott, all I knew was he was the guy in Texas that will not stop suing the Obama administration. Uh. Like this guy sues everybody all the time, but he's constantly with suing President. Obama and I didn't know if it was like a political thing like uh, as far as like wanting to get his name out there or if he really give like cared about these issues but he just it was ridiculous yeah. the amount of lawsuits like Texas versus the United States right give me a break so uh when asking a lot of time it is so when asked about his what his job entails Abbott said quote I go into the office in the morning I sue Barack Obama and then I go home oh <laughs> wow sounds like a really productive day yeah, I guess no, Texas has no problems the, yeah, this whatsoever. Is, this is definitely political. Yeah, Abbott had um, has filed or he had filed suit against the EPA, the Department of Health and Human Services, including the challenges to Obamacare and the Department of Education, among many others. Wow. Abbott filed thirty-one lawsuits against the Obama administration. You've got to be kidding me. No, it's crazy. According to the Wall Street Journal, from Abbott's tenure as attorney general through his first term as governor, Texas sued the Obama administration at least 44 times, more than any other state. So it continued when he was governor. Um, more than any other state over the same time period. Court challenges included the carbon emission standards, the health care reform, and transgender rights among others. The Houston Chronicle noted that Abbott, quote, led the charge against Obama-era climate regulations, end quote. Mm. In March 2014, Abbott filed a motion to intervene on behalf of Baylor Scott. Oh, I just put this in for you. Uh, I th- I thought you would like this. In March 2014, Abbott filed a motion to intervene on behalf of Baylor Scott and White Medical Center in Plano in three federal lawsuits against the hospital brought by patients who alleged that the hospital allowed Christopher Dunched, I think that's how you say his last name, also known as Dr. Death. Remember that podcast? Yes. To perform neurosurgery despite knowing that he was a dangerous physician. Oh, yeah. No, no. I heard the the podcast talks about that whole thing that happened. They just shuffled him about. Yes. Wow. So Abbott, he cited the Texas legislature's cap on the malpractice cases along with the statute's removal of the term, uh, quote, gross negligence from the definition of legal malice as reasons for defending Baylor. So he was <gasps> defending the actual hospital saying it's not their fault. Oh, please. <laughs> they were like, okay, we don't want to deal with this problem. Yeah. Just shove him off somewhere else yeah. and and really had no care yeah. of, of what he was doing when they yes. knew that, that pod- this guy that is, is, is great. you know, mm-hmm. a danger. Like he's paralyzing people. Yeah. Oh. 
So a couple of things is uh, that he like believed in and was fighting against while he was attorney general. So separation of church and state. On March 2nd, 2005, Abbott appeared before the United States Supreme Court in D.C. where he defended a Ten Commandments monument on uh. grounds of the Texas State Capitol. I knew you'd love this. Thousands of similar monuments were donated to cities and towns across the nation by the Fraternal no. Order of Eagles who were inspired by the Cecil... Cecil B. DeMille filmed The Ten Commandments. Come on. Um, in, a in his deposition, Abbott said that, quote, the Ten Commandments are a historically recognized system of law, end quote. Yeah, no, for, for a particular religion. Insane, insane. Okay, the you can't do that. that could, not, everyone, not everyone believes in the Ten Commandments in the U.S. That's or in true. the state of Texas. So the Supreme Court held uh, in a 5-4 decision that the Texas display did not violate the First Amendment's Establishment Clause and was constitutional. So for guns, in January 2013, following the approval by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of the further strengthening of the state's gun laws, Abbott advertised on news sites to Internet users with, Alb with Albany, New York, and Manhattan zip codes suggesting gun owners should migrate to Texas. Oh. His political campaign provided the funding, um, saying that the two messages read, quote, is Governor Cuomo looking to take your guns? And the other one said, wanted law-abiding New York gun owners looking for lower taxes and greater oh, opportunity. Oh, come on. <laughs> the advertisements linked to a letter on a Facebook on Facebook in which Abbott started such a move, wait, stated such a move would enable citizens to, quote, to keep more of what you earn and use some of that extra money to buy more ammo. Unquote. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here's a fun one. Um, he supported a ban on sex toys in Texas. Let people do what they want. <laughs> Let people do what they want. That's all I'm saying. So as Attorney General Abbott well, unsuccessfully defended Texas's ban on sex toys. So there actually was a ban and he was trying to defend it. And people were like, police. Yeah. So he said, what happened Texas, to free enterprise listen and, to this and, quote. and small businesses? <laughs> listen to this quote. This is fucking nuts, honey. I, <laughs> I can't even say it. It's so fucking funny. He said Texas had a legitimate interest in, quote, discouraging purient interest in autonomous sex and the pursuit of sexual gratification unrelated to procreation oh unquote. come on let people do what they want i mean it's like they want to restrict it, it, the thing that just drives me nuts is you know we don't want big government we don't want government to tell people what to do and they tell people what to do literally about so in their many things all of the time yeah. what are you doing it just, it doesn't make sense. So his opposition to same-sex marriage, as Attorney General Abbott defended the state's ban on same-sex marriage from a constitutional challenge. In 2014, he argued in court that Texas should be allowed to prohibit same-sex marriage because LGBT individuals purportedly cannot procreate. It always comes down to fucking and making babies. It's about, That's what no, it's, it's always all, yeah, it's about. it's always about just child, making children. He said that, quote, as same-sex relationships do not naturally produce children, recognizing same-sex marriage does not further these goals to the same extent that recognizing opposite-sex marriage does, end quote. So would, he, listen, then, would, he, would he then also agree if it was opposite-sex marriage and for some reason uh, a man is but, impotent or, by or, the way, or whatever it is, like they, so they don't get to get married because they can't procreate? I don't think he can have kids, by the way. Because I'm I, 99% oh. sure he, they have a, an adopted son or daughter. So oh, I don't is think he, is he, he a can have children. Or not quadra. He's, he's paralyzed from the waist down. The waist down. But, oh, so maybe not. Yeah, so I don't think he can. And meanwhile, is his marriage legitimate? If yeah, he can't no. procreate? Yeah, so I guess not. I mean, what the fuck? It's, and it's by terrible. the way, it's rude to even point that out, apparently. like, But somebody should point that out. It's, uh, it's, it's I, his listen. logic is 
So listen to this. Oh God. He also argued that gay individuals can marry individuals of the opposite opposite sex. Thus, there is no discrimination against LGBT individuals. So if you're a gay man and you want to marry a woman, you can do that. We're not discriminating against you marrying a woman, even though you're gay. You just can't this, marry somebody. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Why <laughs> does he care so much? Because he's bored with his life. I think. I, I don't know. Don't I just makes no. I think he's just super. That's super religious bullshit. Yes. So he was reelected in 2006 and through 2010 Great. as attorney general. He was the longest serving Texas attorney general. Wow. So God. then in 2014, he decides to run for governor. Right. And in July, 2013, shortly after governor Rick Perry, Oh God, by the him. way, I know I, I, he, he, he's the one who's involved in setting up all of these. Yeah. You know, okay. So after governor Rick Perry announced that he would not seek a fourth full term, Abbott announced his intention to run for governor of Texas in the 2014 Texas gubernatorial election in this first six months of 2011 he raised more funds for his campaign than any other texas politician wow. reaching 1.6 million dollars so the people of texas like it Abbott, somebody there like yeah him. he won the republican primary march 4th 2014 with 91 percent of the ballots cast wow it's, it's incredible yeah i mean he faced state senator democrat wendy davis of fort worth in a general election you remember wendy davis right a little bit yeah She's pretty badass. Uh, Abbott received $1.4 million in campaign contributions from recipients of the Texas Enterprise Fund, some of whose members submitted the proper paperwork for grants. So it's one of those places where um, organizations that gets grants, but they were giving him money. Uh, Elliot Nagin uh, of the Union of Concerned Scientists observed that Abbott was the recipient of large support from the fossil fuels industry such as New Star Energy, Coke, uh, mm. Coke Industries, Valero Energy, ExxonMobil, Chevron, and ConocoPhillips. Abbott received the endorsement of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Dallas Morning News, the Lubbock uh, Avalanche Journal, and the Tyler Morning Telegraph. Abbott and his lieutenant governor running mate, Dan Patrick, gained an endorsement from the NRA and received their A rating. Oh. Abbott defeated Davis by 19 percentage points, which is huge, yeah. in the November general election. And then he was again reelected in 2018. So some of the issues while he was governor, he challenged the freedom of speech in 2015. Okay, this is hilarious. And I love these people who do this stuff. Okay. So in 2015, the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Oh, here we go. Applied to put a secular nativity scene in the Texas state capitol. A similar thing was done in Tallahassee a few years ago where the flying spaghetti monster people. Do you know who that is? No. It's... Um, people who say that there's, there's, it's not God. There's a flying spaghetti monster. Oh yes, is yes, God? yes, 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 like yes. Like flies yes. around space. It's, it's a, a pile of spaghetti yeah, eyeballs. Yeah. They applied to have a scene set up for Christmas in the fucking Texas. Yeah, why and not? it was there. And my brother-in-law took a picture with it and he sent it to me. It's fucking hilarious. That's great. But it's like, it was a cha- basically a plastic chair with a bunch of hay and two eyeballs in it. Like that was the display that they Are applied the eyes for. Are like meatballs? No, <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. Anyway, so this uh-huh. they wanted a secular nativity scene, and the scene featured, oh, it's so good, the Bill of Rights, three founding fathers, and the Statue of Liberty, and a sign that wished everyone a happy winter solstice. <laughs> now, you can imagine yeah. how infuriating this oh, is yeah, people as a nativity probably, scene. Yeah, no, people probably were insulted. Oh, yeah. So Abbott demanded it be removed. And a following this is the same person who to, wanted the the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Yeah. So, so following so only what he and really, believes. Is these allowed. organizations do this to challenge yes, the law, of right? And say go fuck yourself. Yeah. So so he fucking took the bait, and uh, there was a bunch of legal challenges. And in 2018, the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in favor of the 
the uh, from religion, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, and more broadly warned that any government regulations on speech must provide adequate safeguards to protect against the improper exclusion of viewpoints. Right? Yeah, of course. So abortion in the late uh. in late November 2016, the state of Texas, at Abbott's request, approved new rules that require facilities that perform abortions either to bury or cremate the aborted, oh come on, rather than dispose of the remains in a sanitary landfill. Um, the rules were intended to go into effect on December 19th, 2016, but on November, on December 15th, a federal judge blocked the rules from going into effect for at least one month after the Center for Reproductive Rights and other advocacy groups filed a lawsuit. Come on, of course. On January 27th, 2017, a federal judge ruled against the law, but the state of Texas vowed to appeal the ruling. On June 6, 2017, Abbott signed a bill into law banning dismemberment and partial birth abortions and requiring either the cremation or burial of the aborted. The law was also blocked by a federal judge. The state said it would appeal it. So this is how they, this yeah. is how these states, you know, chip yeah, they away. Pick, yeah, they pick, they pick, and they the, pick. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, for guns, on June 13, 2015, so as, as governor, he signed the campus carry and the open carry bills. I mean, into law. this is ridiculous. <sighs> and so the campus carry law came into effect on August 1st, 2015 and allows the licensed carry carrying of a concealed handgun on public college campuses uh, while, I, I, with no. private colleges being able to opt out. The open carry bill went into effect on Ju- January 1st, 2016 and allows the license of carrying of handguns openly in public areas and private businesses that do not supl- display a 30 30- dot oh seven sign so the 30.07 sign refers to the state penal code 30.07 states that a handgun may not be carried openly by a licensed gun so so if 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 a business has this in their window like you can't bring bring your gun you can't bring your gun and they it's considered trespassing and you can get arrested okay so but but now it's up to the owner to have to like get this sign put it up yeah right and then go through the hassle of some guy walking with an ak-47 and then saying saying, you you have to leave and he's going you're gonna take my rights and then you got to get the fucking guy out of there oh my god and then you're setting yourself up for and and on campus i mean oh it's so scary it's it's scary yeah. It's, it is scary. But it's also, uh, it's Texas, so is this a thing? Like, I don't know. Like, I I, I mean, here why I'd be do you, freaked the fuck out. Why do you out, but... need a gun on a school campus? Why? And then I think, you know, when you think of universities and you think of fraternities and you think of parties and you think, like, there's a lot of ways where things could maybe yes! go awry and Please! be dangerous. And where are you concealing this weapon? Where are you keeping it when you're going to sleep? Who has access to your dorm room? I, right. I feel like there's a lot. Of course. A lot of things to think about. It's a fucking nightmare. And when you think about alcohol and the other things that, that kids do do when they're yeah. in college. Mm-hmm. And when you think of abusive relationships and I, I just... I just no, it's bad. It, it's I don't know. No, no, it's bad. So they became the Texas became the forty fifth state to have an open carry. Forty five fucking states, Dina. Um, on May twenty sixth, we so in love with weapons. Why you got to go take that class by Caroline Light yeah. at, at Harvard? Go I ahead, know. go get in a Harvard team. Please, can I? Well, know. maybe she'll let me audit. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> that would I'll be audit good. that class. I'll just sit there. Yeah. Um, on May twenty sixth, two thousand seventeen, Abbott signed a bill into law lowering handgun carry license fees. Oh, <laughs> following the Sutherland Springs church shooting on November 5th, 2017. Remember that one yeah. during an interview but with that, Fox so News. So that's the response. Yeah. Um, during an interview with Fox News, Abbott urged historical reflection and the consideration that evil had been present in earlier, quote, horrific events during the Nazi era, the Middle Ages and biblical times. Oh, come so this on. This is just a normal thing that happens throughout oh. time. There's shootings at churches. You know, it has nothing to do with the fact that we've made it easier for someone with 
severe uh, issues to have access to have access has nothing to do with that. This is just like Nazis and the Middle Ages and biblical times. Yeah. Okay. I love that sweeping generalization of biblical times. So the (laughs) Anti-Defamation League said Abbott's comparison of the mass shooting to the victims of the Holocaust was deeply offensive and insensitive. After the Santa Fe High School shooting on May 18th, 2018, Abbott said that he would consult across Texas in an attempt to prevent gun violence in schools. And a series of roundtable discussions followed at the state capitol. I'm sure those went well. In a speech to an to a NRA convention in Dallas almost two weeks later, Abbott said, quote, the problem is not guns, it's hearts without God. Oh. End quote. Okay. That's what it is. And maybe that you're not letting somebody use a fucking vibrator. That might be yeah. a problem. I might get a gun and shoot somebody. <laughs> somebody did that to me. In June 2019, he signed a bill allowing for more armed teachers with school districts being unrestricted as to the number they allow. So they've already allowed their teachers to have guns. We just, this is a new thing for us in Florida. Yeah. The creation I, I, of, I mean, it, I know. I don't feel comfortable at all with the idea. No! That, that I don't know who has a weapon and they don't let parents know. No. You do not know if your te- if the teacher that your kid is in the class with has a gun or not. Yeah, and I don't think that's right. And the right. teachers I, don't I, know. I, the I, teachers don't know who has a gun. No, and I feel like as a parent, we should have the right to say, I'm sorry, I do not want my child in a class with someone who is armed. Yes. Like, and full stop. Yes. Because if a, anything happens and Mm-mm. somebody accidentally grabs that No, weapon, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. So the creation of, quote, threat assessment teams passed into law by the by the bill are intended to identify potential violent students, potentially violent students. That's the other oh. problem. Oh, who's how, identifying so who, yeah, this? And who's getting targeted? That's here. right. That's Give right. A break. Oh, they, it's a potentially violent. By the way, they're not ever going to look at white kids. No. It's always going to be kids of color. And, 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 and it's and always the white boys who, who do it. Yes. I know. I hate this fucking just, world. Although the state legislator passed measures for student services to deal with related mental health issues, um, pro- proposes to adopt a red flag law, which Abbott's saying such law was not necessary in the state of Texas. Um, in August 2019, a gunman who had written a racist manifesto killed 22 people in a mass shooting at a Walmart in El Paso, saying he had targeted Mexicans. Following the shooting, Abbott convened a domestic terrorism task force to look into domestic extremism, but reiterated his position to a red flag law and rejected calls to convene a special session of the state legislature to address gun violence. Ridiculous. Um, there's a whole thing about immigration that I'm not going to get into right now, but suffice it to I, say, I can imagine. he will not uh, welcome any refugees. He's yeah. been the first state to Wait, say- Wait, and his wife is a first gen. That's right. That's great. How does she deal with this? By the way, she's a teacher. She's a principal. Like, how well, does she, honey, how does she deal with, I, I wanted to circle back to that, but he, he's been the first state in January, 2020, Abbott made Texas the first state to decline refugee resettlement under a new on. rule implemented by the Trump administration. Come and on. the move was condemned in a joint statement by all 16 Catholic bishops of Texas. So like, you're not even on the right side of whatever your no. religion is to accept these refugees who need, need a safe Well, I mean, place. and the whole thing with like Christianity and like, and, and sort of living a life through Christ right. is to, but to help and also those who yes! are in need like that is the not whole to mention <laughs> not to mention texas is on the border right. where refugees are coming in and and why i don't understand why you won't wouldn't want to help someone who's seeking asylum who's seeking help who is who are suffering and you have the potential to 
ease that suffering in some way. And then you're going to turn around and talk about being a Christian. It just, Tina, he's too busy worried about where he's too busy worried about where the, the, the aborted fetuses yeah. are going to be, or, you know, abor- yeah. where it's, are they going all, to be buried? It's, it's, it's all, and he doesn't care. You know what I mean? Oh, like this is just to appease yes. this constituent base and just to pay lip service. Who, by service. the way, I don't think even give a fuck. I don't think people really care this much about this bullshit. I think there are people who do. But I think it's a very small yeah, percentage. Right. If you were to say to a base, these are the conditions that, look at these children who are coming over. The, these are the conditions that they're living in in their country. And this is why, this right. is America. This is why we need to do this. Right. I think you could sell it. Of I course. really, really do. People aren't, I mean, I know that they're the other side for us, but I think you could really pull at some heartstrings. I do. There's going to be still those fucking hardliners, but I think you could do it. Why are we spinning this in such a terrible way? All right. So COVID-19, this is right before we're going to get into what, what I want to talk about. But so for COVID-19 during the pandemic, he implemented a, implemented a stay at home, stay at home order from April 2nd to May 1st. It reminds me of Florida, right. where it was like no this, time this at all. Tiny little um, stretch. It was one of the shortest stay at home orders by any governor. And since the reopening, the coronavirus surged across Texas, leading Abbott to pause the gradual reopening on June 24th, 2020. Texas broke its record in terms of number of new coronaviruses cases in a day. Critics described Abbott's pause as a half measure, arguing that he should reverse the reopening to full to state to a full, um, you know, uh, what is it called? Uh, stay at home order right. to stave off the spread of the virus. And according to the New York Times, Abbott's response to the coronavirus pandemic had been contradictory as he had said that Texans should stay at home whilst also saying that Texans should open for business. Yeah, that's not confusing. Um, he also said that Texans should wear a face mask but refused to issue a statewide mandate. So in July 2020, Abbott directed counties with more than 20 coronavirus cases to wear a mask in public places. He had previously prohibited local governments from implementing required masks. So he kind of got pushed. Right. Well, Unlike probably, DeSantis. Probably local leaders are saying... Yeah. We, we have to control this. Yes. So as of yesterday, I was checking the numbers for Texas. Um, there were 2.59 million COVID cases in Texas wow. and 42,193 deaths. Which is twice what we have in Florida. Florida's like over a million cases yeah. and it's about 20,000. I mean, Texas more is than 20, big. 000, Yeah, more than 20,000 deaths. So it's a lot. Yeah. Okay. He's also buddy-buddy with Trump. Just throwing uh, that out yeah, there. We all know how that is. is. So the reason I'm covering Greg Abbott is because of what happened last week. I mean, it's, um, it's terrible. And I want to say a very quick prayer to my Lord and Savior, Ted Deutsch. Uh, to get me through this next piece because uh, I want to make sure I get it right. And I yeah. kind of like read a lot about what had happened last week and what led to the, all of this, this, this really crazy fucking disaster. It's, it's um, I was reading this morning of, uh, you know, uh, homeless people mm-hmm. um, dead just in the middle, yeah. frozen to death. Well, I'm um, sure they'll find some way not people, to blame the People dying of car- carbon monoxide poisoning yes. trying to stay warm. In their cars. Um, just it's a disaster. It, it is, yeah, so incredibly terrible. I know. So let's talk so about incredibly this. Terrible. So, uh, it's not necessarily lands on the the shoulders of this governor. I want to make that clear. Right. There's things that led up to this that he was not the governor when these things were happening. Right. So let's just be clear about that. 
But my whole point of covering him is to like, yes, here's all this ways. Like you, we know who this guy is. Yeah. We know what to expect from this kind of leader. We've covered them before. But um, my thing is always like, but when the disaster strikes, that's when you know if you have a leader. Right. We knew DeSantis was a piece of shit, like fumbling moron. Right. But it wasn't until fucking the pandemic hit that we go, oh, that's oh, yeah. right. He's really Incom- yeah, he's incompetent. You know, he's unprepared. He can't he's even, a- remember, he couldn't even put the mask on. Right? Yeah, he's he's just from day a one. Buffoon. He's day a buffoon. one, he's an idiot. And you just pray to God, like, even with Trump, like, please, God, just get us through these four years without yeah. a fucking war. Like, yeah. just get us through because that's when we're really going to know if this person can lead us. And so, yeah, this is a problem here with yeah. this guy. So, many factors contributed to this disaster being like what they're calling the perfect storm. And it wasn't just. The snow, right? The companies uh, or the deregulation of electricity in Texas happened in 2002. So a little bit about that, like the electric companies are not doing the most that they need to do to protect like the pipes at their facilities and from freezing cold temperatures, even though they had been warned for years that this had happened before, like during a blizzard at one point. And they they could see that these places were not prepared for that kind of cold because and it's the, Texas. But, and this is why you need regulate. Like okay, people right. don't understand. Like you need regulation. Yes. In case, just like you have insurance, yes. in case something happens, yes. Then you are prepared. You're covered yes. for yes. the what if scenario. Right. And does it cost money? For regulation, of, of yes. course it does. But we live in a society with people and. You know that's that's part of it. Yeah, and if, if, that's and part if of you're it. not if you're not holding and, and them accountable, yeah. they're not going to do it. And if you're just it. some corporation because they want to make more money yeah. on whatever their bonuses or whatever it right. is their profit margin, mm-hmm. like go go like fuck you. You yes. know what I mean? Like these are people's lives are at stake, and you want right. to deregulate and deregulate and deregulate, and then you want to stand back and go, oh, this is a disaster. Yeah. Well, you can't. You don't get to do that. Right. So they had warned that this this could be a bigger problem if a bigger storm hit like they've been warned and then of course if you don't believe believe in climate change um you don't ever think that a storm like this is going to hit texas right and so the state of texas government was just not prepared to care and the other part is like they're just not prepared to care for poor people and indigent folks indigent folks they're just not and um it's like the last thing that they're worried about and even their senator doesn't give a fuck he takes off right so like they they don't care so a little bit about the deregulation is like uh Texas is electricity independent, right? And so and they, the reason they can be as a state is because they're so large. They have a, a, a large amount of people. They have the supply and um, they don't have to rely on anybody else. So like I was listening to a podcast, uh, The Daily um, from the New York Times and the episode was called, hold on, hold on. It's called The Blackout in Texas. So basically like North Dakota has a lot of wind. Yeah. And they have wind turbines. And so, but they don't have as many people as Texas. So they can use their, they can give some of their energy to states around them. Well, Texas doesn't need to do that because it's so large. So they're independent from other states. Now, it's a good thing because they can do their own thing. But it's a bad thing when shit like this happens because they don't have an, it's, they don't have a backup plan. They don't have somebody to be like, right. hey, yo, uh, Oklahoma, can you help us out? Yeah. There's no connection There's there. nothing. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Okay. Um, but also they deregulated the market so people can pay what they want to pay. Of course. Um, and then deregulation, like you mentioned, also means that these companies are not beholden to any sort of regulation as far as like your pipes need to have this, your right. company needs to do this. I, I, I mean, There's nothing I mean, like that. Th- 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 those, uh, those images of just the water. Yes. And it's cold. Yes, it's frozen oh in their house. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's – and, and, and I mean, I heard a horrible story of a little boy, 11 years old, who mm. – 
who died in his sleep uh, from the cold Jesus. In, in a trailer. Jesus. You know, and I'm like, my God, like these families I, trying no. to keep their children warm. I, it is. It's terrible. I know. It, it is just beyond horrific what, so, what these people are going through. I know. So in 2002, the Texas legislature voted to deregulate the electricity market. The majority of the state's power is controlled by the Electric Reliability, Reliability Council of Texas, also known as ERCOT. Um, it's a competitive pricing market, meaning it trades on supply and demand. Companies are trying to bring the cheapest form of energy to the market, which can come at the expense of building out more reliable infrastructure systems. Uh-oh. These companies are not incentivized to prepare the equipment for extreme cold. Also, if, like I said, you don't yeah, believe in all climate the, change, well, all you don't line. think this is ever going to happen. You think Texas is heat, it's a drought, right. but like they don't expect snow like this. So they get their energy from many sources, coal, nuclear, solar, right. wind, natural gas, which is their number one oh, provider. Oh, and my favorite, my favorite is that it's, uh, they're, they're blaming the wind farms. Let me get to that. Uh, <laughs> sorry. But natural gas is, their, is the number one provider yeah. across the state. So what's unique about their grid, like I said, is it's independent from these other, the their power grid is it's independent from other states. And, Big mistake. Um, yeah. And, and it, it's always been like it creates its own power. It's self-sufficient, which seems okay, right? But exceptions are like in the summer when the temperatures are really high everybody starts turning on that AC and things like this happen have happened before where it's just like a little bit of a rolling blackout, nothing like yeah. what has happened in the last week. So after the storm, there was an extreme weather situation, right? With intense cold, sleet, ice uh, across the state in every fucking county. Yes, everywhere. That's the other unique thing about the storm. It was so big that all these temperatures had hit low single digits, which was unprecedented. Precedented. Um, it was forcing millions of Texans to turn on their heat and crank it up, right? And it was a surge of demand in the winter that was never anticipated by the people who created this grid. And everything had gone wrong with the grid. So there was freezing up of the wind turbines, yes. There was some gas lines that were frozen. Uh, problems with the transmission, even from nuclear and coal plants. Like, everything, everything yeah. failed. And appears to be the system just was not... The system was not prepared to deal with prolonged periods of cold and all sources of energy had failed. Basically, the infrastructure of the state is not even prepared to, to deal with these extreme weather conditions. Right. So a little bit about the storm. So from February 13th through the 17th of last week, uh, North American winter storm, also unofficially referred to as winter storm Yuri. Oh, you heard that was a major well, winter. I didn't realize they named them like they do, they do hurricanes. Yeah. Which this reminds me of, by yes. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, when they kept talking about power, I'm like, yeah, we lose power. Like, but but we're not this, cold. That's what my mother said to me. She goes, Hillary, we open the windows. I'm like, yeah. you're absolutely fucking right. We'll yeah. we'll sweat our balls off, but we're not fucking we're freezing, not to, freezing death. to death. Although, let's not forget that motherfucker Rick Scott who didn't answer the phone and people oh, in ho- those old folks in Hollywood died yeah. of heat stroke in a goddamn old folks home yeah. after last hurricane. Um, so this is a major winter and ice storm that spread, had widespread impacts across the United States, northern Mexico, and parts of Canada. Um, the storm started out in the Pacific Northwest and quickly moved into the southern United States before moving on to the Midwestern and Northeastern United States a couple days later. The storm resulted in over 170 million Americans being placed under various winter re- weather results. Um, alert across the country with the threat of icing the texas department of transportation pre pre-treated the roadways using a salt mix yeah i don't know anything about this stuff uh i have nothing i have no idea about snow. yeah they salt it yeah so you don't slip or yeah. okay so for the first time on record the Nas- national weather service through its 13 regional offices serving texas and adjoining portions of oklahoma new mexico arkansas louisiana issued a winter storm warnings for all 
254 counties in the state of Texas. Wow. Never done that before. Um, as a result of the winter storm and a, con- a concurrent cold wave, power grids unable to sustain the higher than normal energy and heating demand from residential and business customers failed across the Texas, Texas interconnection at the peak of the outages. At least 4.3 million Texan- Texas residents were left without electricity. Two of the Electricity Reliability Commissions servicing the southern U.S., the Southwest Power Pool, and the Electric uh, Re- Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT, ordered rolling blackouts for 14 states amid the frigid temperatures in an attempt to manage the strain of the power grid and prevent widespread long durations of the blackouts. So what they do with the rolling blackouts, which I kind of talked about when I covered something in California, I don't fucking remember. Oh, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, episode. They're they're trying to conserve as much as they can so it's not just exactly. So they turn the power off. But... The blackouts were supposed to last about 45 minutes and they were, um, so by the end of Monday, February 15th, there were interruptions from up to 12 hours or even an entire day. My God. So people, and also and they were you people, can't even, you can't even boil water. You can't no. even, you know, like anything where if you want to just drink some tea, something to yeah. like warm your body. No. You can't do it because you but don't have access But they told them to- it was going to be this short period of time right. and now people are freezing their houses in like oh negative 20 degree weather. So Can at you, one point, I can't even imagine that cold. No, what the fuck, Addy? Who lives? Why would you live in a place? Well, it's Texas, but why would you even live anywhere in like Michigan, right. where it's like negative? But at least there, all the time. you know, imagine they have the sweaters, the blankets, like they at least can like layer, layer, layer. Like <sighs> in Texas, like there could be people who just have no, ha- have yeah. no. That, if that if that had rolled through here, Tina, we I'd be dead. <laughs> I would, uh, I would never have enough. I'd be taking the curtains off the fucking right. wall to cover myself up. At one point during the rolling outages, over 4.2 million people across the south south central states were left without power with over 3.5 million of them in Texas alone. So Texas was hit the hardest with this. So the rolling blackouts led to calls by Governor Greg Abbott for the Texas legislature to conduct investigations into the uh, preparations and decisions undertaken by ERCOT in advance of the storm. Could you imagine like... In the middle of this disaster? Yeah. Like, you need... There's people... Yeah, I, like, okay. focus on focus on what they need to focus yeah. on, and then we can examine yeah. this group later. It's, it's all... It's like a pre-looking for someone to, to, to scream yeah. at, right? So we don't someone, have time for that. Like, don't. people are dying. I know. Some of the blackouts were initiated as, as several cities throughout the central and southern plains experienced record overnight low temperatures on February 16th alone. Daily record lows were broken in. Are you ready? Oklahoma City, negative 14. These are record-breaking cold in all of these cities. I can't imagine this cold. Dallas, negative 2. Houston, 13 degrees. San Antonio, 12 degrees. Little Rock, negative 1. And the coldest oldest, the coldest temperature since 1989, with all-time low temperatures being set in Fayetteville, Arkansas, negative 20 degrees. <gasps> wow. Yeah. So rolling blackouts, longer duration power outages, and ice growth caused by the precipitation and unusual cold temperatures caused widespread disruptions to water distribution systems across yes. the Southern Plains. So water line breaks because the... You know, because it's, it's cold. frozen. Yeah. So the lo- the water line breaks occurred in many areas and power disruptions impacted water treatment plants in parts of the region that forced several cities, including Houston, San Antonio, Fort Worth, Abilene, Killeen, and Arlington, Texas, and Shreveport, Louisiana, to enact residential boil water orders where they have to... How are you boiling water when there's no power? Yeah. 
By the way, <laughs> I watched an Instagram story of the beautiful Caroline Rose, who I love and adore. She's such a wonderful like singer. <laughs> she moved to Austin. But anyway, they're boiling snow, honey. They're yeah. picking snow off their fucking front yards and boiling it for water. I, I have a friend and she listens to the muck. Hi. And she's in Texas. Yes. And, you know, I reached out to her saying, are you guys okay? Yeah. And she said, you know, luckily where she is, she lives on the hospital grid. Mm. So they, she's like, we are one of the 5% who has like intermittent power. Thank God. And a trickle. She said a trickle of water coming in. Wow. Um, And she sent me like some video and like just some stuff. And it's incredible. Jesus. It's so scary. So scary. Um. So in cases where residents had no energy sources to heat water, like you mentioned, purchasing bottled water was advised. In Houston, this led to shortages of bottled water. And grocery, you know, there's nothing in the grocery yeah. stores. I mean, we know that. We know, Floridians, yeah. how yes, that is. Yes, yes, I mean, as soon as there's a hurricane uh, 30,000 miles away, right. there's no water or toilet paper at yeah. the grocery store. Well, and I really, the thing that bothers me the most with that is that there's always some person that is, it, the, the amount that they are purchasing, oh, yeah. it's so clear, like you're not, you don't need it. Mm-mm. So they're either purchasing it because they're going to try and like resell it, resell it, mm-hmm. or they're just, they're just, they have all the money to mm-hmm. be able to buy as much and they do not think about other people. Yeah. Like my dad always says, it, fuck you, like, me first. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't, I, I yeah. can't stand that. Like I know. There's, if everyone would just take what they need, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't be this crazy rush and then then if you try i mean they do put limitations sometimes like only yeah one you know one per person or whatever it is but so in addition to the uh, in addition pipe bursts caused significant damage to numerous residences in the dallas area and other you know and that's what in other north texas so that's where you saw the water freezing in someone's home so okay what does our friend greg abbott do so Governor Abbott and some other politicians initially blamed renewable energy sources yeah, for the power I mean, outages, it, it's, citing it's a, frozen wind turbines as an example of their unreliability. By the way, uh, it's such a small percentage. A couple days one. ago, I said to my husband, "Oh my God, did you see what's happening in Texas?" Because he has a friend there, and yeah. I had like asked the friend's wife, "Like, how are you guys doing?" And uh, I said, "I can't believe what's happening in Texas." He goes, "Yeah, those." Damn wind turbines. What? <laughs> no. I said, oh, yeah, I forgot. Bye. Like, I got to go. Like, I can't have this conversation with you because I can't argue with fucking dumbass bullshit. Okay, <sighs> Tina, help me, Lord. My help God. me, Lord. So I wonder, I'm going to have to look up because there is a town, and I know, um, I, I forget where I saw some documentary on, like, solar energy or something like that, and there's a tiny town in Texas that is a Republican town, but they went like full solar. Oh, cool. And I'm wondering how that little town yeah. maybe is faring as compared to, because I don't know, like the energy still has to get out a certain yes. way. So yeah. I, that I don't know, but I'm just curious about oh, that. Please. I'll I would love to, to know that. I need to um, dig, dig in there. Yeah. So uh, renewable energy accounts for only 23% of Texas power output. So the quit and moreover equipment for other energy sources, such as natural, natural gas pipelines bursting from the cold, were more responsible for this. That's, that's the number one source. And so when those pipes are bursting with natural, the, give me a break. So, um, Governor Abbott later acknowledged that every source of power, just not just renewable ones, had failed. But, you know, his initial Fox News interview is like, fuck liberals and their environmental yeah. bullshit. Um, which is the one that gets out, and that's now the message. Yeah. Right? I don't know how it leaked all the way down to my house, yeah. but somehow this guy gets the same yeah, message. But 
that we don't have time for your politics. No, especially because we don't have time for politics. It was right five now. times more natural gas than wind power that had been of lost. Course. So when power was cut, it's such garbage the because other... because they're all making money. Yes, and they're still making money off of this disaster. Of course, it's it. Oh, so um, when the power was cut, it disabled some compressors that pushed gas through the pipeline. So it further knocked out the gas plants due to lack of supply. Like even with the rolling blackouts, yeah. like do you even realize like where you're turning that power off because it's fucking up even where the gas can get through? You know what I mean? Yeah. So ERCOT had some generators that they had implemented in new winter best practices, but these were on a voluntary basis oh. and mandatory regulation had not been established. Because again, again, why do we need regulations? Right. So who cares? You can do this if you want to, but you know, there's not going to be some big storm that comes through Texas. Why would that ever fucking happen? So, so far, uh, as far as like when I checked yesterday, 47 people had died in Texas and other states as a result of the storm. Now, one of them was like a little boy fell through the ice, you know, but I mean, I know that's awful. I don't mean to, you know, not it's like disregard it. It's a real thing. Uh, but you know, it's like when people say there's a hurricane, it's like, oh, all these people died from the hurricane. One of it could be somebody, a tree, you know, he goes outside and he touches something or the tree falls. Like there's a result. It's because of the storm. So that's an example of that. But like 47 people and we don't even know, like you're saying the homeless homeless, folks who are are dying on the streets and like people in their homes that maybe elderly people who haven't been reached yet. I mean, we don't really know. No, no, we won't. We won't know. We won't know. So that's um, Governor Greg Abbott. It's <sighs> super long. I'm so sorry. I, no, no, uh, no. It's fine. You know, had to, I had to kind of fill in a lot of his garbage before it's, we got to that part. It is, uh, it, it's, it's, I know. It's terribly tragic and terrible. Yes. The more that I read about it, it just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. But, you know, now that we have DeSantis here, we haven't had a major storm. Since he's been elected, that I oh can God, think please. of. Knock on yeah, wood. knock on wood. Knock because, on wood. Knock on wood. Because seriously, like we could be in a lot of trouble. We could oh, be please. in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you can't count on him. No. At all right. All. Who do you got, girl? Today, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the story of former Broward <gasps> County yes. Sheriff. What? No. Walter oh. Clark. <laughs> Okay, now, first of all, if you have not listened to all of our episodes, number one, shame the fuck on you. Yes. Number two, we have talked several times. Yes, about about sheriffs in Broward County. It's like historic. Yes. The hell that is the Broward Sheriff's Office. And like one sheriff. I covered Nick Navarro. Yes. We also know about Scott Israel, who was the uh, sheriff for a while. The current sheriff is in a lot of hot water right now. Tony, uh, what is it? Gregory Tony and Tony Gro. Oh, my, Gregory Tony. Yeah. He's in a, I don't know if you've seen these articles in Sun Sentinel, but he's I, being I, forced to like give all of this documentation of things that he did when he was a juvenile. Oh, because of that. Out. Yeah. That, Ooh. that came out. Some of it came out prior. before the election. Yeah. No, but now he's being held accountable as like he didn't disclose this information right. when he ran for office right. or when he was when he was hired. Yeah. So he's in all kinds of trouble. So yes, sheriff's office, let's do it. Oh, oh my God. Broward County. Hey, our home, our home. <gasps> yes. Our story takes place right here <gasps> in Broward County. <laughs> yes, bitch. So you've covered some pretty bad sheriffs from here. And this is another one to add to the list. And again, this was another story I was unfamiliar with. Okay. I don't know. The, the one thing that when I think of Florida, Everyone now, it's like, oh, Florida, 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 (laughs) man. You know, there's this like negative connotation. (laughs) And I used to come here and visit Florida all the time 
as a kid, we would, this is where we came to vacation. And I even remember, I still remember the <laughs> jingle. Oh. There was a jingle uh, in Pennsylvania that would come on the TV yeah. about Florida. And I'm, I'm going to sing it. Yeah, please. It was, um, when you, when you need it bad, we got it good. When you need it bad, come to Florida. Oh my that gosh. Was, and it was like, you know, people at the beach and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was always like in the winter time yeah. and like, and I, and we always came down here. We'd come uh, sometimes for spring break mm -hmm. and we would have an extended trip. So I, I remember bringing my schoolwork down cool. and like having to do my homework yes. while we were on vacation and in the summers. And I never remember having like this icky, well, now and, and I feel like there was a shift happened somewhere because I don't yeah. think it was always I don't think we always had such a horrible rap. No, we didn't. But now you could use that jingle. But what we got good is COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we got it good yeah, here, honey. Come on down. Certainly do. Well, our tourism is dying. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> when you think about how uh, the majority of our the money we get into the state is is tourism and you have a governor who doesn't give a fuck about a virus and yeah. can't believe it's actually going to scare people from visiting our state. We got a major problem. So, yeah, yes. we got it good, honey. We got it good. All right, so Walter Clark served as Broward County's longest-running sheriff, holding office from 1931 to 1939, and wow. again from 1941 to 1950. And his corrupt lifestyle and rela relationship with the mafia ended his <gasps> career, but it was his racism and role in a lynching that mark him as one of our most terrible sheriffs. Okay, yes. So, okay. So you, you might now. be familiar. Yes. So before I go into sort of his utter failure as a sheriff, I want to give you a little bit of background. So Clark is a rarity. Mm. He was actually born in Fort Lauderdale <gasps> way back in 1904. Right. And in one of the articles I read, I thought it was really funny that one of his sort of campaign uh -huh. pitches was something like, uh, it was the first white man born in Fort Lauderdale. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's so uh, gross. So here's the thing about Florida, if people don't know, too, is that to meet an actual Floridian is a rare it's, thing. It's a rare. People always move here. Yes. It's a transient state. So, like, to be, I was not born here. Yeah. You were not born here. No. Uh, my parents weren't born here. No. <laughs> like, my Same. kids, you know, yes. Yeah. But uh, my I husband, know. no. Do you believe we've done that? We, 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 yeah, actually, we actually made them real. I know. They can answer that question. I know. We've cursed them. Yep. So uh, according to the Broward County uh, Library, the digital archives, he worked as a butcher prior to becoming a sheriff. And I feel like maybe that's why he has no qualms participating in some of the nasty work that he got, mm. you know, involved in. Mm. So John Dolan wrote an article for Fort Lauderdale Magazine, and it kicks off with a perfect example of Clark's racism and how he abused his position as sheriff. So he and his brother, so he had a brother named Robert, but he went as Bob, mm -hmm. who was deputy sheriff. Okay. So the two of them kind of ran things together. That's dangerous. And one of the things they used to do, which is horrible, is they used to round up uh, black men for vagrancy. And they could either pay $35 <sighs> and a fine. Ugh. Or they could pick vegetables for farmers to work off the fine. And so most of these men of course, didn't have the money to pay $35, so they would work, and then the farmers would, would pay, pay the brothers $35. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that nice? Mm -hmm. So vagrants is just somebody, it's not necessarily, are they homeless, or is it people just could be walking down the fucking street? It, it could be either. Yeah. I mean, come on, because yeah. it'd be somebody just sitting on a bench. Yes, yes. And so in the style of Mr. Leahy from Trailer Park Boys, they're two <laughs> shit peas 
from the same shit pod. <laughs> <laughs> these you two. love these. Oh my god! It's really my 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 husband. Remember the shit the shit the apple, shit apple. Fall from the, <laughs> far from the shit tree. My husband showed me like Too a compilation of like Mr. Leahy, oh, like, and it's like everything is like shit, 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 yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his first trial as sheriff further illustrates his racism and bigotry. Mm. So in 1933, a white man, Robert Darcy, gets beat and robbed on his way home from his shop in Pompano Beach. Hey! I know. And long story short, four black men are accused. Mm. And this ends up leading to sort of this years-long back and forth uh, in trials with these men in court. And it ultimately ends up going up to SCOTUS as well. So allegedly, these men confessed to the crime. And the judge in charge of the case asks all four men if they were under duress or were they threatened in any way to Mm. give these confessions. And they all say, no, they were not coerced in any way. But Mm. um, we we could see that that is probably not true. So they go to trial and they get a guilty verdict for murder and they're sentenced to the chair. But a black lawyer at the time, a D.W. Perkins, says that these men were coerced and that this isn't, you know, like that the trial wasn't fair and all of that. And the Florida Supreme Court agreed with Perkins. And why do they agree with Perkins? Because the men had scars on their backs. So it was clear like they, oh, that they had God. been, you know, hurt. And so they were retried again, and then they're retried again, and this is kind of Jesus. going back and forth. And the people in the community are angry because they want these black men to pay for this crime, for this murder, but it's clear that they didn't do it, right? But like, it's like people don't care about the truth. Like They just think, okay, they confessed to it. It's obvious that they're guilty. Why isn't this moving forward? Mm. So it was taking a number of years because of these trials, And so finally they end up in Palm Beach to sort of have some distance from Broward to have them retried again. They um, end up being found not guilty. And then people kind of flip out. Of course. So in the middle of all of this, right, because this man is murdered in 1933, um, in 1935, right, so just a couple years later, this other incident happens And according to uh, Harash's article in the Sun Sentinel, a mob ends up lynching an innocent man under Clark's watch. Mm. So this horrific incident is not only tied to Clark because he was sheriff at the time, but his brother, who recall was deputy sheriff, is also involved. So Susanna Bryan's Sun Sentinel article reported that Reuben Stacy was hanged by a mob on July 19th, 1935. And allegedly... A white woman accused Stacy of trying oh. to attack her with a knife. God damn it. And the article notes that this was an unconfirmed accusation. Of course it was. But, but... at the time, all it took was an accusation right. to put a black man in danger. Motherfuckers. And John Dolan reported in Fort Lauderdale Magazine that the attack was, according to testimony from locals, really just Stacy asking her for a glass of water. And she freaked out. Of course. And, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, Mm -hmm. this, this idea of ginning up fear within a community and she's sort of almost been programmed to think that any encounter with, with someone who's black or other, right, Right. is dangerous. And, you know, the the amount of shit that white women are responsible for in this kind of thing, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's terrible. Uh, 
So fuck. The, I know. So the digital archives explain that Stacy was lynched on his way to Dade County Jail from the Broward County Courthouse. Mm. So people were upset at the time. Remember, they're still like this. They're 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 waiting about this murder trial. Um, and they had allegedly, like some accounts say, like that the people had no faith in the court system and all of that, which may have stemmed from uh, Darcy's murder, right? And word got out to Clark that a mob was headed to the jail. And so Clark had some of his deputies take Stacy down to Dade County where he could be safe until trial. Mm-hmm. Now, supposedly, they're heading down from Broward to Miami, but they decide we're going to go a back way and take Dixie oh, Highway. No! But they get head off by this mob. Like, the mob is like, oh, they figured out they were probably going to take this back way. And the mob heads them off on Dixie Highway, runs them off the road, and demands no. Stacy. They're like, you're going to give us Stacy to these deputies. So in one of the accounts that I read, it was there was Wait, this. First of all, I just want to say, taking Dixie Highway yeah. never sounds like a good idea. I know. Dixie, and, well, and I can't imagine like, from like back then like how things no. were. Get the hell out of um, there. So uh, I read a thesis from FAU and where the deputies that says that the deputies felt like they didn't have a choice, but to hand over Stacy to avoid harm coming to themselves and to members of the mob mm. who were white people that these deputies knew. Of course. Okay. There's no fucking harm. So yeah. Well, so, although it were, you know, it reminds me of to kill a mockingbird when Atticus Finch is, is sitting, sitting at the jail and said, we're not fucking, you're not going to yeah. come in. It's like somebody has to have the balls right. to say, go fuck yourself. You're not right. coming in here. If he had, op- if he had stood aside and let them take the guy, oh, he would have died. You know yes. So, 100%. you know, you have to have some, don't tell me you're fucking scared for your life. Well, be a fucking man well, and stand up, motherfucker. Well, oh, God. other accounts note that the deputies got in on the action of hurting Stacy. So it wasn't like, oh my God, we <sighs> had to give this man up and they felt horrible. Like they participated. Of course, in it uh, allegedly. So you know, yeah, it wasn't like they were all. How's that lady doing? She all right? The lady who accused him of something. How's she doing? Well, they take Stacy back near the accuser's home. Oh, for fuck's sake! And the the woman he asked for water and water. He asked for a glass of water. Asked for a glass of water. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Dolan reported that the accuser's wire clothesline was the rope that they used to hang him. My God. So what's worse is that Brian notes that for hours. No, please, Tina. Please. I I'm know. Gonna, I'm going to cry. I'm sorry. Do it's, it's. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, it's terrible. Fuck me. Please. So uh, Brian notes that for hours after the incident, Stacy's body was left dangling in the tree and that this is the worst part. The mood was festive. That people came. Some reports noted up to a thousand people came to check out this scene and I was talking about this with my husband the other day because this 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 idea is just so crazy to me that this this spectacle right and how people can come and witness this and enjoy it and how they could bring children mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. to observe a cruel act and I don't know if you're aware of this or not and but there there was a thing at the time too where people would send postcards um, of lynchings. Like as mementos. Excuse me. It's a, it's like a whole thing. Yeah, you can look up the. It, it's it's uh, awful I, and I'm, beyond grotesque. You know, it, it would be grotesque. it would be one thing to say like this is a one off. 
there are no, still no, no. black men being hung all over the fucking place. Well, well, lynched the thing, all the time. Well, the thing this that happens, it's just it's like and it's thrown out. Oh, there was a lynching over. What? Right. It well, still fucking happens, Tina. They were there was a, a a lot of articles I read were making this comparison to George Floyd because it was like he Hello? may not have been you know hanged, but yes. you know it, it's like the the same thing is happening, and it's 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 so terrible and. The other thing about these events was Dolan's uh, Fort Lauderdale that magazine article cited that someone who was a child at the time, you know, talked about it later on, like being there at that event, said, quote, some of the people from the park had cut off pieces of the black <gasps> man's pants for souvenirs. <gasps> other reports said that part of the tree bark and the clothing line were taken as well. And this reminds me of so. Charles Dickens wrote A Tale of Two Cities, and it takes place during the French Revolution, right? Like late 1700s, like the 18th century. And the character Madame Defarge is uh, one of many women who show up and they sit at the front line where uh, at the guillotine and they're knitting, right? And they're just there watching the heads roll. And she's like a horrific character and, and you know, villainous. But this idea of being the spectator to horror, mm. you know? And and because in that book, like they're they're getting pleasure right out of witnessing a, a grotesque act of of someone's head being you know chopped off, and there's some sick psychology about witnessing this violence. And Brian notes in her article that Stacy's great niece is still plagued by her great uncle's death, and she said, "quote I wouldn't even want to see an animal get hurt." And there he is hanging there, and they're just standing back watching. How do you normalize that? How are you not horrified by that? I don't get it. And I'm right there with her. Mm. And the NAACP had this to say at the time, and it's really interesting. And it makes me think about the longstanding racism in this country. So they printed the photo. So there's this, it's a very famous photo. And the thing about the photo, and I didn't want to use the photo like in our Instagram, Please. but yeah. I cropped part of the photo that the NAACP talks about uh, in the quote I'm going to read and it's there, there's children and there's a little girl like smiling Jesus like and it's 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 but the wild. thing that bothers me too about the kids being there is that this is normalized to them those right. those kids are going to go on and have their own children right and in their mind this is a this normal is, thing this, is, this okay. is an okay thing to treat right people of color this way so this is so at the time the NAACP put the photo and then they wrote oh, this so uh, let me just say something else before you give us this amazing quote is that you don't need to see a lynching to be raised as a racist either no 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 and your home are just as dangerous to your children oh of course to continue this evil fucking way of thinking so the racism today is just as strong as if they were. Is it the oh, yes. A hundred percent. who are just but, as but racist raising their kids this th way. This to me. Well, listen to this quote. Okay. Thank okay. you. Sorry. So um, it, it, it begins by saying you sort of like, you know, don't look, don't look at, 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 at Ruben Stacy. Right. Let's look at instead. So quote, instead, look at the seven white children who gaze at this gruesome spectacle. Is it horror or gloating on the face of the neatly dressed seven-year-old girl on the right? Is the tiny four-year-old on the left old enough, one wonders, to comp comprehend the barbarism her elders have perpetrated? Reuben Stacy, who was lynched at Fort Lauderdale, Florida on July 19, 1935 for, quote, threatening and frightening a white woman, 
suffered physical torture for a few short hours. But what psychological havoc is being wrought in the minds of the white children? Mm. Into what kinds of citizens will they grow up? What kind of America will they help to make after being familiarized with such an inhumane, law-destroying practice Mm. as lynching? And you have to think about, like, 1935, and this is happening up, right? To the 60s, through the the 60s, you know? And so, like, being witness and and that this is fine and taking mementos, like, that has to make your view of this other group of people as, as... Nothing. Less than you. It's nothing, nothing yeah. right? As the, as Their life object. is worth nothing. And so just in thinking about how all of that works into the structure yes. of racism that we have, like it just was to me such a powerful the, statement. What else gives you authority except to see police officers fucking there? Oh, my sheriff. God. The sheriff is there? Oh, well, well, I guess this is okay then. Well, right? Uh, Harash's article says that the deputy sheriff, which would be Clark's brother, brother right. himself engaged in the act with the mob. So according to this article, there was another person who was like, I was there as a kid and I saw the deputy do this. So again, this is just someone's account, um, allegedly, that uh, said that he tied the rope, he hoisted the man, and what's worse and so dishonorable and horrific is he ordered the people to shoot Stacy after he died. He's like, everyone just take a shot. So 17 times what? he shot this man. What the I can't fucking Tina. I'm sorry. Something. Let me ask you a question real quick because I thought you were my friend. I know. What is it with the stories that you want to make me have a fucking heart attack? Well, I I think it's important. It's important. Well, I was just thinking these stories about Broward County are just as fucking important as what Emmanuel George, God bless his soul, is doing to uplift Black history in this county. We cannot forget this fucking shit happened here. No, this is unbelievable. This is how our our uh, county started. I just can't. I can't start on this evil. We're hanging. We're shooting. I mean, what the fuck? We're taking mementos. White people are the worst. We're the fucking worst people. This he was a thirty-seven-year-old man with a child, no husband, father, son, friend. You know he no one deserves this. And the thing is, Clark was the sheriff, right? And when he found out, he didn't go there and disperse the crowd. He didn't go and 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 take that body down, right? He left it there until a black funeral director came. To take the body down. Wow. You know uh, what I mean? That's, that's so another it's, tra- it's dis- traumatizing it's, it's thing. It's disgusting. For that person. It's disgraceful. Jesus. And he should have done more to protect this man. If you know, right, He's that, that this is the climate in the place that you are, are running things, give me a break. They could have figured out a, a middle of the night time to get rid of. They're cowards. They're fucking cowards. Ugh. All right. So. According to the Broward Digital Archives, four days after the lynching on July 23rd, 1935, a grand jury investigated the incident and the deputies were cleared and no one was charged with a crime. No one lost their job. Nothing. Right. Because it was like, oh, I don't know who did it. And that, that was the thing with the shooting, too. Like everybody takes a shot. We don't know who's. Can you imagine what is happening that you want to take a gun out and shoot a dead it's, person. It's, this is it's, it's not just a body who's like dead already. This is a human being. It's and a you human wanted being. seventeen people took guns yeah. out to shoot a human body. Yeah, I in mean, front, what is going front, on in, in that front head of 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 people? And and who is taking their family? 
Who is saying, oh, please, let's go. Oh, I heard this thing happen. Forget let's about it. Let's go and bring the kids. Like it is disgusting. It's, it's unbelievable. It is a level of disgusting that I can't fathom. No, I cannot fathom. So, and this is why we have a problem in this country. Like this is what we're bred upon. Yes. You know? Yes. It never ends. It never ends. Never ends. All right. So let's keep going. I mean, I know. All right. Why not? We're already here. So we're already down in the depths of hell. Let's just fucking so, keep digging. What's the thing that finally gets this guy fired? Now, I typically refer to this as like the major incident, but I feel like the thing with Stacy is the major incident. You know, like that should be the major well, incident, yeah. but it's not. Oh, well, no. So um, here we go. The Broward Archives noted that allegedly Clark was involved with illegal gambling through the Broward Gambling Company. Well, we can't have that. So, yeah. Now, it was actually a Tennessee senator, uh, Estes Kefauver, who in 1950 started this investigation into the mob, mm. specifically looking into gambling. So not just in Florida, but across the U.S. Okay. So the America's Best History site has the report from the Senate hearings that began on February 28, 1951. And... The one sort of thing that was interesting about these Senate hearings is because it's being televised, like television's still sort of like fairly new. Mm -hmm. And these so hearings- People are interested, yeah. People are interested. 72 million people watched it. And Dang. they even let kids out of class to watch wow. these hearings. That's amazing. So in the Kefauver Committee preliminary report, it noted that, quote, Sheriff James Clark acquired a fortune in real estate and business holdings over a period when not only did he fail to enforce the laws he had sworn to uphold, but he personally participated in their violation. And uh, it noted specifically his role with the Broward Novelty Company and that, quote, this company operated Bolita games and slot machines and provided the sheriff with his principal source of income. Mm. It's obvious that a law enforcement official who is himself engaged in gambling operations can have no special desire to enforce gambling statutes. Dang. So Stuart MacGyver uh, wrote this article for the Sun Sentinel that dives into like the mob's heyday in South Florida. Mm, I bet and, you love that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he wrote that South Florida was a lotus land where the mob came to play and where illegal gambling ran without interference, a land supervised by two of the most corrupt sheriffs in America. Wow. So <laughs> I, of course, love this because there's the allusion there to the Odyssey with lotus lands, uh, you know, the place where he ends up, the place where... Um, you know, if you consume the flower, flower, you forget everything and you're kind of in this like pocket pleasure. And, <laughs> you know, so I, I thought that was funny. But uh, McIver's article posits that the cops, Clark mm -hmm. and Dade County Sheriff uh, was the other one. Included, oh, wow. And they were paid to ignore the gambling scams. And so more and more mo mobsters come down to cash in wow. on what was happening. Mm -hmm. And it was guys like Al Capone, Ooh. Frank Costella and yep. Meyer Lansky. So, oh, wow. of course, Meyer Lansky, I have to say, because it's uh, in Godfather 2, it's Hyman Roth. <laughs> yeah. And I have to do my quote from my favorite character from Godfather 2, <laughs> which is uh, Frankie Pentangeli, oh. Frankie Five Angels. <laughs> uh, your father did business with Hyman Roth. He respected Hyman Roth, but he never trusted Hyman Roth. <laughs> you know, Al so, have you ever been out in Deerfield to Al Capone Island on Deerfield Beach? I haven't. It's really cool. You should try to go I over there. I should. You I have to take a little boat to get over there. Yeah. There's no house or anything, but he owned the island. Like he had plans to build a house there, right there wow. on the water. But it's, it's, I mean, 
It's awesome. You should yeah, go check it out. I got to I got to do that. Yeah. So, aftermath. After these Senate hearings, uh, then Governor Fuller Warren suspended Clark mm-hmm. and the grand jury in Broward County indicted Sheriff Clark for owning slot machines. So, just an FYI, Clark cuz remember I said that he was sheriff until 1939 mm-hmm. and then he was sheriff again um and there was this little gap yes. it was because the, he had been suspended at one other time. Um mm. And then was uh, for illegal gambling, but he was reelected of course. in 45. And the grand jury finds him not guilty. <laughs> you motherfuckers. I, I mean, swear to God, it's like, I can't take it. it. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. The, the, the history of, ha- of relying on morons on juries, on, in voting, I cannot t- deal with it anymore. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> So Jan Feehan writes on her website, Jane's History Nook, that Kefauver was not thrilled with the results, stating, quote, it's hard to stomach the admissions of characters such as Sheriff Sullivan of Dave, Dade County and Sheriff Walter Clark of Broward County that they grew rich in office far out of proportion to their modest salaries. Yeah. And she further notes that Kefauver saying that about Clark pissed people off down here because they all loved Clark. Yeah. And they were trying to have him reinstated, but he ends up dying of leukemia like that year. So. Bye. I know. See ya. So points of interest. Brian's Sun Sentinel article notes that there has been talk about memorializing Stacy by having a marker put at the place where he was killed, which Mm. was around um, Martin Luther King Avenue or where he lived, which is now downtown Fort Lauderdale, or even at his unmarked grave at Woodland Cemetery. Mm. And Brian also notes that they that there's also been talks about uh, renaming part of Davy Boulevard after him. Wow. So I think that would be really, yeah. you know, great and important yes. uh, to do. Oh. So some stats. Brian's article notes that from 1882 to 1968, 86 years. 4,743 people were lynched, and 280 of those were in Florida. So that's over 55 people a year, right? That's almost five people a month across the country, right? That's over, like, like a person a week for, for 86 years. It's, it's despicable. Those records, that's what we know. Right. Right. Yeah. We're not talking about the backwoods where nobody's really right. going and people have disappeared. So, where right. what about I mean, the people have disappeared? So the photo that I mentioned that had the smiling kids um, yeah. around Stacy um, made its way to the New York Times. And then the NAACP put that um, right, the pamphlet out with that quote. And they pushed then President Franklin D. Roosevelt to put forward an anti-lynching bill. He refused. <laughs> and his reason was he was afraid he'd lose the South. In his next election. I, I, so again, I'm so it's, sick. it's people who put their personal need, well, right, for re-election and maintaining power over the lives of human beings. And I was like, well, let me think about this. If, the, if a bill like that would have passed in 1935, think, yeah, think, that's how many, how many years, right, from 1968, that would have been almost 2,000 people Okay, could have been spared. Maybe. But Maybe what 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 the difference would have been? They still would have killed him because white people are the fucking worst, right? And but but shit but the if there's a federal law, there's there federal, could have been something, right? Right. That that could have if they could have put, convicted them. But if right. you have an all white jury, right? Who and, go, and, and you and have people like a white that go, going, I don't know who did I'm it. I'm scared for my life. Yeah, he asked me for water, but I thought he was going to rape me. That no one's getting convicted of that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's fuck it. It's horrible. But of course, a politician's going to cover his own ass uh, before he fucking protects anybody. I can't stand it. 
So I also read a really interesting article that the Sun Sentinel posted regarding Brian's article on the lynching because her that article came out, but then they put this other article about like, should we put the photo out? Mm, right? Yeah. And it was a really interesting article because it addressed the lynching photos and it was like, should we post them or not? If so, which ones? And the article noted that they had the original photo mm. um, and of the actual hanging. And then they had another one that was a close-up of just like Stacy's bound hands mm. so that it wasn't like the full graphic. Jesus. Um, but with the kids in the, in the foreground watching it all. And the article continued noting that a black editor suggested to print it in all its horror with the historical context because that editor felt like it was important. And then they reached out to members of the black community in Broward, um, including um, uh, Mayor Holness. Mm. Um, it was um, another commissioner, uh, Bro- another Broward County commissioner. It was uh, attorney, a reverend. And most felt that there was a need for people to witness the inhumanity to mm-hmm. spark a dialogue and hopefully maybe yeah. evoke change. And they also researched the use of that photo in other publications and through other organizations like the NAACP. You know, personally for me, I've, it, it's, it's, I, I don't, it, it's so horrific to witness that. Like, I don't feel comfortable posting something like that, like on our Instagram or anything. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's a for need. For us like, to do it. No, I would show my kids, I think. I think I would. Yeah. I think I would. I'd have it's, to look at it, which would probably scare the fuck out of me. Yeah. But I think it's really, really important for white children to see our this, history. This, this, I, and I and just, what, the, what it, it's just Because so guess terrible. what? They're not showing that shit in school. They're not talking about it in school. And I think they really need to understand yeah. that this was a real thing. Yeah. And this you know? is part, it, it's it's a bad part of our, our legacy. But when oh you don't talk about it or you pretend like it doesn't happen, like that right. doesn't help. Right. So Dolan's article provided an excerpt from My Soul is a Witness, where the son of Fort Lauderdale's first black funeral home had this to say about lynchings in South Florida. Quote, you didn't have to hang a man to lynch him. You could Mm. get him in the back of a car and tell him to run for his life. And bang, bang, that was it. They'd say he was escaping. You see, this happened all the time throughout the South. So it's just terrible. Um, And the other thing I have to comment on, because I was so frustrated when I read, I, I mentioned that thesis, mm. the thesis, it was such a whitewashing yeah. of Clark. Right. Um, and, and it offered such a, a it really, I, I was, I was so frustrated. It had a lot of like background in his history and like how he grew up and, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it referred to him as colorful, the colorful sheriff. Yeah. And it's like, give me a break. Right. Like, you're describing someone who is this louse, who is a horrible person, and you're you're using these euphemisms to disregard the bigot and racist monster that he was. Yeah, and as criminal, a and and also a criminal, and a criminal, and yeah. and Thief. so as far as the criminal stuff, like as far as the the illeg- illegal gambling that was happening. This thesis was like, oh well, he had the Ill- illegal gambling because it helped provide jobs for people. And so, like that's the like the spin, for like crime the spin for a white man. And, and but people, this guy can't ask for a glass of water without being right. killed. But this guy is excused as yes. a sheriff to allow an illegal. And this was cr- written. Uh, uh, this was crime. written in ninety three. Jesus, this Christ. was written in ninety three. This thesis, and it's like, so someone could read this and go, "Oh, he's not so bad. He's he's looking out for the people in his community." You know, like if oh you only knew God. that representation. Mm. And that he's he's only trying to help local folks out. Meanwhile, according to Jane <sighs> Feehan in her little history blog, 
He claimed to be worth $750,000. I believe it. I believe it. And I don't know if that's adjusted for inflation, but whatever. Yeah. And the other thing is he even notes that he's only known for these bad things. You know, that his legacy is only known for these bad things, his connection. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because it's horrible, buddy. Like, sorry. Yeah. No one's looking for all the charity work you did, you motherfucker, while you stood by and watched people get murdered. Or Ugh. excused it away and didn't fucking hold people accountable. And then no took criticism. money from fucking the no mob. No criticism about Go, fuck any of the bad stuff he did. You know what? This it, is the uh, problem is that. And it still exists And that's the history, today. right? You, that's, that's yes, the, but this is what still exists today with this office. Yeah. You know, you got people, good people that we know, that upheld a piece of shit fucking candidate the yeah. last time around. Who was a fucking shitty fucking sheriff. But we, have, we personally know good people who were supporting that motherfucker. Yeah. And it was like, wait a minute. Yeah. he's doing terrible things but that office is so fucking powerful it's yes. that it, it's too much power it's too much money the budget's like 300 million i don't know something crazy and it was it, it, and 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 they have too much power and we excuse away bad behavior yeah. because we know them or this is okay it's not okay no this sh- i'm sorry that i expect a sheriff not to break the law that i expect uh, right. everything to be above board for the fucking guy who's running you're supposed to be protecting people in this county fuck you oh <laughs> you might have to cut that out girl we don't know well i'm not cutting <laughs> we don't we don't need we don't need uh listen people i made uh, everybody who knows us. me and listens to this knows how i felt about that guy so i don't give a fuck. so i stand with parkland how's that is that good enough of a fucking oh, reason to say something one hundred thousand million percent thank you so that's the story of Walter Clark, the shameful sheriff from Fort Lauderdale. Damn. Well, you know. Horrible story. It's a horrible story, but this county is steeped in racism. Yeah. The fucking county is named after a goddamn I mean, racist. There you go. We did that story. Yes. Napoleon Broward. Go listen to that fucking yeah. podcast episode. Uh, I mean, but this is expect? the problem. This is the problem that yeah. that we ha- we need to recognize this as a county, as this area. and, and yeah. We need to rename the county. Yeah. And I know that it's a big deal. I get it. So what? But, um, but you got to change some letterheads, you know, whatever. Acknowledge it at least. Yeah. Acknowledge it and let's move forward. And I mean, it, the least, the, the least that they did was they took down a statue of him, of Napoleon Broward from the courthouse years ago, but it was in recent years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough. Broward Boulevard. I mean, the courthouse, come oh, on. Come on. You're named the courthouse after this guy? Uh, but but there enough. needs to be recognition of I think um, of you know Stacey, I had to say Ruben there's Stacey, a story you know. by Broward Bulldog um, I don't think it's this story but it's more recent than that uh, when when we had Dan Christensen on yeah he talked about it if you give me a second I'm gonna pull it up hold on okay so Broward Bulldog we had Dan Christensen on yeah. he, I believe he mentions this he does uh, in the episode he does. but in the summer of '79 Jerry Frank Townsend was arrested for rape and murder. Um, uh, and he got convicted of these these murders, six six murders, and he got 22 years behind bars. But then a DNA test establishes innocence, and he got released. And then the sheriff apologized. Well, Mike Satz, who was the state attorney here yeah. for all of those years, he refused. Not not yeah, he was the state attorney in '79. He took office in '74, yeah. right? Like he uh, refuses to like clear this guy. Right, like, like, or, or apologize, yeah. or make some sort of restitution to this man who was accused of something yeah, no, he, he didn't did. fucking do. Can you imagine? Um, no, but so 
one of the things I think he mentions in our podcast interview with him is that the new sh- the new state attorney who was also one of our guests, our yeah. friend Harold Pryor, who we love dearly, oh yeah, should correct this mistake. A hundred percent. And so I think I'm going to have to send an email or a message to Harold and say, what can we do about this? Yes. Because this guy, uh, we need some recognition for this poor man yeah. and what has, what has happened to him. And go back and listen to that episode with uh, Dan Christensen because he yes. does go into So your story's that from the story. 30s. This is from 79, here almost we, the like, 80s, yeah. and it's the same exact the fucking same thing. thing. Like we need, this guy, it has to stop. Yeah. And the more that we, you know, learn about this, the more that, that we we can try to move away from racism. Yeah. You know, but that quote from the NAACP, mm. I mean, the psychology of it, it's, it's, it was so powerful to me. It just was like, this is why, like, you, you can't witness Mm-mm. things like that yeah. and then sort of just grow up thinking that's okay. Right. Then of course you're going to continue. It's incredible. It's incredible. Oh. Um, yeah. I, you know, I have to say I, I, as much as my blood is boiling all the time, you do incredible stories and I really appreciate that during February, I have noticed that you yeah. are focusing on these injustices when it comes to communities of yes. color, especially black people, um, covering people like Leon Jordan and yes. uplifting uh, these stories. I really do appreciate you oh, doing that. And although you. you don't do it just during Black History Month, right. you've covered incredible stories like Thibodeau and Wilmington. And I do take it as work as white women. Yeah. Uh, I had to confront white feminism yeah. four years ago and it was a fucking hard thing to do. Yeah. But I was grateful to have women of color who I could go to meeting in this movement to say, Hey, I don't understand this. And they're like, read all these things. There's a great letter uh, about talking about white women during that time, during the civil rights or before civil rights that were accusing and all that. It was very hard to confront white feminism and what, how it exists then, how it exists today. Oh Um, yeah. But that's how we can move forward. Yeah. And so I, we we have a, it's, we have a duty. I feel like the two of us do. And Kate, like our friend Kate, yes. who's like, here's the facts, right? Yeah. And I think that we have to raise our white children yeah. to be better and to acknowledge those things. And uh, I feel like it's already kind of working with my daughters, things that she says to me. She's like, oh, this was in school. But I had to say, like, this is not how that, you know, I, I think it's working in that way. But um, we need a lot more people on our side to acknowledge these terrible, awful things. Yeah. Um, anyway, we do. We do. Amazing. Oh, another and one always, down, girl. I always uh, love anything that has to do with Broward. I mean, yes. I, as much as I Oh, hate, I was so excited I to. Know. I, I, was, I knew that you, I, and I wasn't sure if you knew the story or not, so. No, it's good. I mean, I knew there was a sheriff that was involved in some sort of a lynching. Yeah. I thought it was the first sheriff, but I, you know, he was involved in some kind of fucking shenanigans. Um, it's just like, you know, we can't, this no. county can't. No. <sighs> and there's so much rich his black history here yes. as our friend Emmanuel George, you will learn on I Friday. Know, and that's so the thing that, like, a, that we have to just like really celebrate that and yes. just know about it and yes. continue talking Acknowledge about it. Acknowledge the, the bad, awful things, but also uplift the beautiful stories. Yes. That's, that's what we need yes. to start doing. And I feel like, uh, a little bit of a kudos to the muck podcast for bringing <laughs> that to people. <laughs> um, anyway, so two things before we end really yes. quick. Um, there was a interview in Sun Sentinel. I tweeted about it on my Twitter. 
was an interview with Steve Geller, who is on the oh. Brown County Commission, um, as a quote influential Democrat. I have oh. to tell you, I've seen him at one meeting, and that was to yell at people to make sure they vote for the Democratic nominee, and I was completely fucking offended. That was before the election. Just saying, that was like over a year and a half ago. I've never seen him at any other fucking meeting. Dang. Never seen him at a Dem club, Dem caucus, nothing. But of course, he's an influential Democrat yeah. in Florida, and guess who he was insisting should run for fucking governor. Oh, His good friend no. since college, Charlie, Charlie Chris, Chris, please, who was a Republican. A he was Steve Geller was a Democrat in the Democrat Club, and Charlie Chris was Republican, but they were good friends, and I supported I, him. I, yeah, and I don't care. Win, I don't care that state. you're friends with him. Here's my favorite quote: "He can win the state based on his name recognition." And I was like, "My, That's my the one fucking thing head that exploded. we can't stand." <laughs> but but uh, but he lost the race for governor yes. with his name recognition. Yes. Nobody gave a fuck we about Charlie Crist. We cannot Chris. afford so, to lose. I'm starting, we cannot afford no. to lose. If Charlie Crist gets anywhere near a fucking primary, my entire yeah. life will be about. That's it. So I already put, I'm a never Christer. Never Christ. <gasps> so don't ever, Ooh, hashtag never Christ. Hashtag never Christ. Everything do is going to be hashtag never Christ. I love now, it. Now, he also match, mentioned Val Demings. And I have to say, I'm all for Val Demings running against Rubio. Like, I'm in for yes. that fucking, or, just let's do that. Yes. Let's do that. She's amazing. Yes. And I've been roller skating again Ooh. since we last met. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. And I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. So... Listen to my episode of Hell is Full of Dads. Yes. Tina's probably comes out next Sunday. Yeah, I have no um, idea. And uh, probably the 28th, I'd imagine. Wow, look at you with the dates, I'm, girl. I'm guessing based on like what's happening this week. So yeah, probably. Um, I did wake... I was disappointed because I know they didn't record last week because of a snowstorm yes. where Cody lives. Um but I did wake up this morning and I was like refreshing my podcast. I'm like, where's my Hello Full of Dads episode? And then I remember that they didn't record. And I yes. was like, this is some bullshit. Yeah, because he, he did it. like a midweek something with his daughter. Oh, uh, which was so sweet. Yeah. Okay. Enough That's love. All. Enough love for our two friends. Yes. Um, so have a good week. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.